Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 22 of Learning About the Lord. We will be reading from Maria Valtorta's poem of the Man-God, volume 1. And we will be learning today about Jesus' education and also his examination at the temple. And we begin with uh, a, a group scene where Mary and Joseph are with Jesus and two of his cousins, James and Judah, who will later also become his apostles, and their parents, Mary of Alphaeus and Alphaeus. Alphaeus is Joseph's brother. They also have two other children, an older son, Joseph, and the second son, Simon. But uh, right now, we just have Jesus as a child with James and Judah, who are very close to him in age. And Alphaeus is saying to Mary uh, that this year, he says, you will have to send Jesus to school. It is time. And Mary says, I will never send Jesus to school. It is most unusual to hear her talk thus, and above all, to hear her talk before Joseph. Why, says Alphaeus, the child must learn to be ready in good time to pass his exam when he comes of age. The child will be ready, says Mary, but he will not go to school. That is quite definite. And Alphaeus says, you will be the only woman in Israel to do that. I will be the only one, says Mary, but that is what I am going to do. Isn't that right, Joseph? Yes, that is correct, says Joseph. There is no need for Jesus to go to school. Mary was brought up in the temple, and she knows the law as well as any doctor. She will be his teacher. That's what I want, too. You are spoiling the boy, says Alphaeus. You cannot say that, says Joseph. He is the best boy in Nazareth. Have you ever heard him cry, or be naughty, or be disobedient, or lack respect? No, says Alphaeus, that is true, but he will do all that if you continue to spoil him. And Joseph says, you do not necessarily spoil your children just because you keep them at home. To keep them at home implies loving them with good common sense and wholeheartedly, and that is how we love our Jesus. And since Mary is better educated than a teacher, she will be Jesus' teacher. And when your Jesus is a man, says Alphaeus, he will be a silly little woman frightened even of flies. He will not, says Joseph. Mary is a strong woman, and she will give him a manly education. And I am not a coward, and I can give him manlike examples. Jesus is a child without any physical or moral faults. He will grow therefore upright and strong, both in his body and in his spirit. You can be sure of that, Alpheus. He will not be a disgrace to this family. In any case, that is what I have decided, and that is all. Perhaps Mary has decided for you, says Alpheus. And if it were so, says Joseph, is it not fair that two who love each other should have the same thoughts and the same wishes, so that each may accept the wishes of the other as if they were his own? If Mary should wish silly things, I would say to her no, but she is asking for something which is full of wisdom, and I agree, and I make it my own. We love each other. We do as we did the first day, and we shall go on doing so as long as we live. Is that right, Mary? Yes, Joseph, says Mary, and let us hope it will never happen, 
but when one should die without the other, we will still go on loving each other. Joseph pats Mary on the head as if she were a young daughter, and she looks at him with her serene, loving eyes. Her sister-in-law interferes. You are quite right. I wish, I wish I could teach. Our children at school learn evil and good. At home, they only learn what is good. But I do not know whether, if Mary... What is it you want? asks the Virgin Mary. Speak freely, my dear sister-in-law. You know that I love you, and I am happy when I can do something that pleases you. I was thinking, she says, James and Judas are only a little older than Jesus. They have already been going to school for what they have learned. Jesus instead already knows the law so well. I would like, I mean, if I asked you to take them as well, when you teach Jesus, I think they would behave better and be better educated. After all, they are cousins, and it is only fair that they should love one another like brothers. Oh, I would be so happy. And Mary says, If Joseph wants and your husband agrees, I am quite willing. It is the same to speak to one as to speak to three, and it is a joy to go through the whole Bible. Let them come. The three children who have come in very quietly are listening and are awaiting the final decision. They will drive you to despair, Mary, says Alpheus. No, she says, they are always good with me. You will be good if I teach you, will you not, boys? The two boys move near Mary, one on her left side and the other on her right. They place their arms around her shoulders and lean their little heads on her shoulders, and they promise all the good in the world. Let them try, Alpheus, and let me try, says Mary. I am sure you will not be dissatisfied with the test. They can come every day from the sixth hour until evening. It will be enough. Believe me, I know how to teach without tiring them. You must hold their attention and let them relax at the same time. You must understand them, love them, and be loved by them, if you wish to get good results. And you will love me, will you not? she asks them. And two big kisses are the answer. See, she says. I see, he says. I can only say thank you. And what will Jesus say when he sees his mummy busy with others? What do you say, Jesus? And Jesus says, I say, happy those who listen to her and build their dwelling near hers. As for wisdom, happy are those who are my mother's friends, and I am happy that those whom I love are her friends. But who put such words on the lips of a child, Alpheus asks, astonished. Nobody, brother, nobody in this world, says Joseph. And now Jesus says to us, And Mary was my teacher and the teacher of James and Judas. That is why we loved one another like brothers, not only because of our relationship, but for our science and the fact that we had grown up together, like three shoots supported by one pole only, my mother. There was no other doctor in Israel like my sweet mother, seat of wisdom and of true wisdom. She taught us for the world and for heaven. I say she taught us because I was her pupil exactly as my cousins, and the seal was kept on the secret of God against Satan's investigations, and it was safeguarded by the appearance of a normal life. 
Now we will move on to the part when Jesus is taken to the temple by the Virgin Mary and Joseph in order to be examined by the, um, the priests there. We are at the temple on a feast day. People are going in and coming out of the enclosure gates, crossing yards, halls, and porches, disappearing in this or that building on the various floors which form the bulk of the temple. Also the group of Jesus' family go in, singing psalms in low voices. All the men are in front and the women come behind. Other people have also joined them. Joseph, after worshipping the Most High with all the others at that point, where men are allowed to go, women have to stop at a lower landing, he then parts from the rest and with his son he moves to one side and enters a vast room. He speaks to a Levite, and the latter disappears behind a striped curtain, then comes back with some elder priests, who are therefore appointed to examine the believers. Joseph introduces Jesus. First of all, they both bow down deeply to the ten doctors who have sat down with dignity on low wooden stools. Here, says Joseph, this is my son. Three months and twelve days ago, he reached the age which the law prescribes to become of age, and I want him to comply with the prescriptions of Israel. I would ask you to note that his constitution proves that he is no longer in his childhood or minority, and I ask you to examine him kindly and fairly, to judge that what I hear his father have stated is the truth. I have prepared him for this hour and for this dignity of a son of the law. He knows the precepts the traditions, the decisions, the customs of the fringes, and the phylacteries. He knows how to say the daily prayers and blessings. Therefore, since he knows the law in itself, and in its three branches of Halasya, Midrask, and Agada, he can behave as a man. Therefore I wish to be free from the responsibilities of his actions and of his sins. From now on, he must be subject to the precepts and he must pay himself the penalty for his failures towards them. Please examine him. We will, say the Levites. Come forward, child. What is your name? My name is Jesus of Joseph from Nazareth. A Nazarene, they say. Can you therefore read? Yes, Rabbi, I can read the words which are written and those which are constructed in the words themselves. What do you mean? I mean that I understand also the meaning of the allegory or of the symbol which is hidden under the appearance, as a pearl does not appear, but it is inside an ugly closed shell. A clever answer, and a very wise one. We seldom hear that on the lips of an adult, in a child and a Nazarene in addition. Well, the attention of the ten Levites has been awakened. Their eyes do not lose for an instant the beautiful blonde child, who was looking at them sure of himself, without boldness, but also without fear. You honor your master, they say, who certainly was deeply read. Jesus says, The wisdom of God was gathered in his just heart. But listen to that, say the Levites. You are a happy man, father of such a son, they say to Joseph. Joseph, who was at the end of the room, smiles and bows down. They give Jesus three different roles, saying, Read the one closed with the golden ribbon. 
Jesus opens the roll and reads, It is the Decalogue. But after the first few words, one of the judges takes the roll from him, saying, Go on by heart. Jesus continues, so sure of himself, that he seems to be reading. Every time he mentions the Lord, he bows down deeply. Who taught you to do that? they ask. Why do you do that? And Jesus says, Because that name is holy, and it is to be pronounced with a sign of internal and external respect. Subjects bow down to their king, who is king only for a short time, and he is dust. To the king of kings, the most high lord of Israel, who is present even if he is only visible to the spirit, shall not every creature bow down, since every creature depends on him with eternal subjection? A very clever, says the Levites. Man, we advise you to have your son educated either by Hillel or Gamaliel, he is a Nazarene, but his answers give us hope that he will become a new great doctor. And Joseph says, My son is of age. He will decide according to his own will. If his decision is an honest one, I will not oppose it. Listen, child, say the Levites. You said, Remember to sanctify feast days, not only for yourself, but also for your son and your daughter, your servant and your maidservant, even for your horse, it is said, that they must not work on Sabbaths. Now tell me, if a hen lays an egg on a Sabbath, or a sheep lambs on a Sabbath, will it be legal to use the fruit of its womb, or will it be considered as an opprobrium? Jesus answers, I know that many rabbis, Shammai is the last of them, and is still alive, say that an egg laid on a Sabbath is against the precept. But I think that there is a difference between man and animals, or whoever fulfills a natural act, such as giving birth. If I compel a horse to work, I am responsible for its sin, because I force it to work with a whip. But if a hen lays an egg, which has matured in its ovary, or a sheep lambs a little one on a Sabbath, because it is ready to be born, no, such a deed is not a sin, neither is the egg laid or the lamb born on a Sabbath, a sin in the eyes of God. And the Levite says, But why, if every kind of work is a sin on Sabbaths? And Jesus answers, Because to conceive and give birth correspond to the will of the Creator, and comply with the laws which He gave to every creature. Now the hen does nothing but obey the law according to which after so many hours of growth an egg is complete, and ready to be laid, and the sheep also obeys the laws laid by him who created everything. I would not examine him any further, say the Levites. His wisdom is greater than the wisdom of grown-up people, and is really surprising. No, says another Levite. He said that he is capable of understanding also the symbols. Let us hear him. Let him say a psalm, the blessings and the prayers, also the precepts, Yes, repeat the Midraskiot, they say. Jesus repeats a long litany of don't do this and don't do that without any hesitation. That is enough, say the Levites. Open the roll with the green ribbon. Now read and explain it, if you think there is a symbol. And Jesus reads, In the Holy Word, it is seldom missing. It is we who cannot see and apply it. I read, Fourth Book of the Kings, Chapter 22, 
Verse 10. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, saying, Hilkiah the high priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it aloud in the king's presence. On hearing the contents of the law of God, the king tore his garments and gave the order, Go and consult Yahweh on behalf of me and the people, on behalf of the whole of Judah, about the contents of this book that has been found. Great indeed must be the anger of Yahweh blazing out against us, because our ancestors did not obey what this book says by practicing everything written in it. That is enough, say the Levites. This happened many centuries ago. Which symbol do you find in an event of ancient history, they ask. And Jesus answers, I find that time cannot be related to what is eternal, and God is eternal, and our soul is eternal, and the relation between God and our soul is also eternal. Therefore the thing that gave rise to a punishment then is the same thing that gives rise to punishment now, and the effects of the fault are the same. And what is that? they ask him. And he answers, Israel is no longer acquainted with the wisdom which comes from God. It is to him and not to poor men that we must apply for light. And it is not possible to have light if there is no justice and loyalty to God. That is why men sin, and God in his anger punishes them. We are no longer acquainted, say the Levites. But what are you saying, child? And the 613 precepts, they say? And Jesus answers, The precepts exist, but they are mere words. We know them, but we do not practice them. That is why we are not acquainted with them. This is the symbol. Every man, in every period of time, must consult the Lord to know his will and comply with it to avoid drawing his anger on himself. The child is perfect, say the Levites. Not even the trap of the tricky question has upset him in his reply. Let us take him to the real synagogue. They go into a larger and more splendid room. The first thing they do there is to shorten his hair. Then they tighten his red tunic with a long band turned several times around his waist. They tie some little fringes to his forehead, arm, and mantle. They then sing psalms, and Joseph praises the Lord with a long prayer invoking all blessings on his son. The ceremony is over. Jesus goes out with Joseph. They go back to where they came from and join their male relatives and buy and offer a lamb. Then, with the slaughtered victim, they reach the women. Mary kisses her Jesus. It seems she has not seen him for years. She looks at him now that he is more manly in his clothes and in his style of hair and pats him. So this was the questioning at the temple when Jesus was 12. Not the time when he gets lost, lost in quotation marks, in Jerusalem, and Mary and Joseph cannot find him for three days. This is the bar mitzvah. So Jesus is being questioned to see if he is an adequate son of the law. And he, at 12... (laughs) impresses the Levites so much so that they want him sent to be taught with Hillel and Gamaliel, who are considered the greatest and wisest men of of Israel. And there's one other thing I'd like to mention. When Jesus says that we know the precepts, but they are mere words, 
We know them, but do not practice them. That is why we are not acquainted with them. I think it's important to remember today, in this day and age, when we try to follow the Decalogue, when we say the Our Father prayers, when we talk to God, that we always talk with sincerity, with genuineness, with humility, and with knowledge, with heartfelt knowledge, that we're not just repeating prayers um, by rote, that we're speaking to God from our hearts, that we are acknowledging His presence in our life, in our day, in our home, in our work, every moment. And we speak with respect and love and kindness, and we try to learn deeper and deeper the words, the laws, the lessons that He's been teaching us throughout all these centuries. I also wanted to note how Joseph and Mary are always in synchrony with each other in the raising of the child Jesus. They do not argue, they respect each other. When Joseph uh, hears that Mary wants to teach Jesus herself, he supports her. He goes against his brother. He goes against what most people do in sending their children to the school. And he respects and supports her desire to keep him at home and, and teach him herself. And is even happy to include his two nephews, James and Judah. Uh, as Mary's students. But um, the point I want to make is how husbands and wives can learn how to talk to each other with consideration and respect and not just bully each other into what they want or sort of um, avoid listening to each other's needs. That, that there's real communication and real love and real respect and we can learn from this example and have a more harmonious family life ourselves. So once again I say thank you for joining me and uh, many blessings to all of you.